Thank you, Brother Rice. John chapter 20 is where we are tonight. John chapter number 20. And the Rice's, Brother Rice announced in the men's prayer that they're going to be grandparents. And uh, we're excited for that. And then uh, Travis Smith announced to the men that they're going to have their third boy. And, um, and we're excited for the babies that will be added. And, and Brother Smith was right when he said we need to pray for nursery workers. And, um, and we're thankful for the nursery workers. You know, one of the things, and, and I will, I'm going to process the things that we saw over in Israel and try to be able to communicate those by way of pictures and once we can collaborate and get all those. But, but we actually got to see uh, actual uh, millstones and we saw where they would uh, take the wheat and they would uh, grind that in the millstone and we could see these mill, uh, several places. They had those and they would be back all the way 2,000 years old, and, um, and then reminded of the fact of what Jesus said, anyone that would cause one of these little ones to be offended, it'd be far better for them to take that millstone and put it around their neck and cast into the sea. Well, that's pretty graphic. And Jesus means business when he talks about uh, the care of those little ones. And if there's anything, I, I've, I've often thought, if there's anything that would cause the judgment of God to be unfurled upon any nation is when we are careless about the lives of the little ones and especially the unborn. And, um, and so uh, while we're not beyond or past seeing God awaken and bring revival, uh, we certainly must understand judgment is not coming. I believe we are under the judgment of God and one of the, the, the dangers is that we go to sleep in the midst of God dealing with his, this nation and dealing with his people within this nation, uh, the church of the living God. John chapter number 20, let's stand and we'll read towards the end of the chapter beginning in verse number 19. Verse 19, then the same day at evening, this would be the same day of the resurrection, being the first day of the week. So we know it's Sunday. This is when the morning that Jesus arose, and this is in the evening when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosesoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them, and whosesoever sins ye retain, they are retained. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. 
But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days again his disciples were within, and Thomas with them, then came Jesus. The doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. You get the idea that Jesus wants his disciples to know peace? Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. Thank you. Please be seated. We're looking at the first Easter, the first resurrection day. On this resurrection day in the evening, there is a service and, and we find here the first ever Sunday service known that would we could look at and call as Easter. These disciples are in the upper room. Now we got to go over and look at an upper room. We knew it was not the, the same upper room. And it wasn't quite 2,000 years old, but we were able to see the proximity of what the upper room would have looked like. And there's a lot of the, 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 the walls and, and, and the, the places where we were preserved, and they just stay the way they are. And that stone is, is pretty solid, and yet we were able to get a glimpse. This is what it would have looked like and what it would have been like. And, and these disciples were meeting in an upper room because they were scared. They're cowards. They're behind closed doors. You see, Jesus had, had led them. They followed Jesus for three and a half years, and he's now crucified and buried, and he's missing. And who knows but what those who crucified Jesus may come after us and do the same to us. And, and so they're somewhat confused and perplexed. Their dreams and hopes are gone. Everything that they walked away from to follow Jesus put all their eggs in the basket of being his disciple. And and now they're questioning what next? Their world has come tumbling to the ground and they're together, huddling together out of fear what's going to happen to us. And in the midst of this meeting without knocking, without Unlocking the door without using a window or even opening the door, Jesus appears in his resurrection body, had nail prints in his hand and scar in his side, and he appears in the midst of him, uh, midst of, of them. And the Bible says, Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Their dreams perhaps were recaptured and their their hopes were confirmed. 
The life that they had in Jesus was once again coming back in clarity and within grasp. And all the things that they had imagined that the Christian life would be, they're beginning to once again gain focus. You see, when Jesus came, the disciples were glad. But we are told that two disciples are missing. This first Easter service, two disciples are absent. One is Judas. Judas betrayed the Lord for 30 pieces of silver perhaps a month's worth of wages, and and Judas with great remorse. He was remorseful. He was sorry. But Judas didn't repent. He was just sorry for what he had done. And he went out and he hung himself. He killed himself. And so we know where Judas was. He's in hell. And then the next one that's missing is Thomas. Now, we call Thomas um, Didymus, Doubting Thomas uh, Didymus. uh, He's a twin, but we call him Doubting Thomas. But why was Thomas not at this place? Why, what was he missing? And and we're going to see some things here about Thomas that, again, you're here. You're not missing the service, but I want us to see these things in Thomas's life that, that perhaps affected him in John 20 on that first resurrection night. If we're not careful, these same things can get into our life and we want to be able to learn from Thomas. We're going to see the reason why he was absent. We're going to look at the result of his being absent, but also what is the cure or the remedy for being absent? We're going to do this without slides tonight. And, uh, and so you're going to have to put your thinking cap on, all right? You've got to get back to real work and, and do it the old way. Remember the old way, the old-fashioned way? You know, you used to have to listen to the sermon an hour uphill and an hour uh, whatever, and so you've got you to go, uh, go at the old way. All right, why was Thomas not there at this important time when Jesus showed up? Well, Thomas had, let me give you a couple thoughts, he had some doubts, we, we, we call him Doubting Thomas. But before we're too hard on him, let's remember that Thomas was not a faithless man. And Thomas was not an unusual man. In chapter number 11, Thomas was willing to die for Jesus. But there was something maybe that was just realistic about Thomas. He, he just, he wasn't going to get as excited about some things maybe as Peter might. And Thomas just had a balance. I think you look at the band of disciples, I think you see quite a blend, quite a balance of personality, but also giftings. I think that's the way a church ought to be. All kinds, all all kinds of, of personality and all kinds of gifts because it comprises what the Lord wants and what the Lord needs through his church. But Thomas had some doubts. You see, it's possible for a person who is even a disciple of Jesus to have doubts. You say, Pastor, you mean that even good people sometimes doubt? Yes. God's people sometimes doubt. That's right. There are people who are great believers in the Lord who sometimes have doubt in their life. I think about John the Baptist. 
When John the Baptist was preaching on that Jordan River, we saw that. I think you're going to hear me say that for a while. And we saw that, and, and we were there. And, um, and the only thing I didn't get from those places was a T-shirt. But we, we were there. Now, I did get a T-shirt, and I got an Auburn T-shirt in, written in Hebrew. That was, that was good. I passed up on the Alabama one and got the Auburn one. And uh, in fact, I wouldn't buy it from the store that had just Alabama. There was an Alabama store in Jerusalem. I think that's where Judas was uh, from. And, <laughs> and then there was a painter, a man, there was, they were painting in, in the Jerusalem quarter, in the Jewish quarter. And he gave me, I was looking at, there's a, there's a Georgia Bulldog. Um, I can't remember what it said, Brother Autry, but, but he paint, this man painted it and had it numbered. And, um, and he said, where are you from? I said, I'm from Georgia. And this Jewish man painted this. And he gave it to me. And, and I carried it around and gave it to Brother Autry. And, and uh, so what, what did it say? It said, Georgia Bulldog with a J. Um, and uh, Israel loves Georgia or something like that, Jerusalem. And, and uh, so it was very nice. It was very, very nice. But um, anyway, um, I'm digressing. Uh, but, but we were there at the Jordan River. We were there at the spot where Jesus uh, would have been baptized, where John the Baptist was preaching. And John the Baptist was preaching there on that Jordan River. He, he was an outdoor man. Uh, he had locust and wild honey. Uh, he, he ate wild honey, but he didn't preach it, that's for sure. He preached hell hot, heaven sweet, sin black, judgment sure, but Jesus saves. And the whole country was coming out to hear John the Baptist. He was a bold man. But when he got down in prison, he got away from that Jordan River, from his place of ministry and perhaps his, his, his comfort in seeing God work. And, and he heard Jesus Christ was doing some great things and John the Baptist began to think, he's really the Christ who he says he is, why did he leave me in jail? Now, Jesus did not rebuke John the Baptist. I think the Lord, I know the Lord understands an honest doubting, if I could say it that way. Now, don't misunderstand. I'm not going to, I don't want to justify any unbelief. Whatsoever is not a faith is sin. But I think the Lord understands an honest questioning. And Jesus did not rebuke John. And the truth is, if you want to know truth, Jesus is all about teaching us truth. You see, John the Baptist doubted. And I think John the Baptist had doubts, perhaps the same reason in the same way we sometimes can have doubts and the way Thomas had doubts. And not only was he a man that was doubting? But here's what I think led to the doubts. He was disappointed. Disappointed. Thomas, like the other disciples, were kind of mystified as to what's happening. Disappointment settled in. Remember in John chapter number 11, Jesus heard about Lazarus being sick. They said, you need to get down to Bethany. And he, he gets there and Mary comes to him and, and uh, Martha comes to him and he said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother had not died. And Lazarus had passed and, and Martha's perplexed, Lord, if you had been here, my brother had not died. And, 
And yet we find Jesus, though it appeared he was late, he was behind, he didn't come in answer to their prayer. We know Jesus doeth all things well. And they were disappointed. Sometimes we get disappointed because God doesn't do what we think he should do. Our guide there in Israel, one of the things that he let us know grew up in Israel. He's a Jewish man. And his dad, he said, and he let us know he was not a believer. And his dad had no use for God because of the Holocaust. His dad reasoned if there's a God and a God of the Jews, where was he during the Holocaust? A lot of people are disappointed. Lest you wonder, well, good point, where was he? Well, don't forget God made a promise. He made a covenant with his people. And God's people, God's nation, walked away from God. And partly what they've gone through for these couple thousands of years is Jesus came into his own, his own received him not. And the other thing to also put into perspective that God is able to work all things together for good to them who love God. And number two, those who are called according to his purpose. And, and keep in mind just basic simplicity that God can work together for our good by blessing when you are surrendered and submissive to the Lord. Even if you're not surrendered and submissive to the Lord... In his chastening, he's still good. But you would rather have his testing to make your faith stronger than his chastening to get you back. Because in chastening, you can lose what you had. But even in that situation, God could take and work together for good. And it was because of the Holocaust, if you will remember, is what motivated the, the, the president of the United States, uh, I believe it was uh, um, uh, Eisenhower, we, we mentioned, I think stepped in at that time, if I got it right, but put Israel, declared Israel to be a nation. That wouldn't have happened had it not been for the, for the Holocaust. I'm just say, simply saying, however, people can get disappointed. Disappointed in somebody, disappointed in God, disappointed, and it leads to doubting. Is this the right thing? Have we chosen the right path? You may be here tonight and you have some doubts. You've been disappointed. And one of the reasons you're disappointed is that you don't see the big picture. You don't see the total picture. You may not understand why you're in a a dungeon of doubt tonight or why you're disappointed why there's been illness in your family maybe why death has come seemingly premature why heartache exists in your life why you're having problems you may not understand what God is doing in your life but listen even in the midst of your doubt Jesus is here to say I'm alive and that changes everything 
You may not see it now, Jesus is saying to his disciples, but one day you'll see it. Years ago when the British general Wellington was engaged in a battle with Napoleon at Waterloo, the English people watched for some signal of the battle. Of course, they had no telephone or telegraph, but they waited in the harbor in Great Britain. A ship would come and signal from the bay what was happening in the battle. And so they saw the ship come into the harbor and they saw the men take the, uh, 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 the, the, the signal equipment of whatever it was and begin to flash out a message. And the message came letter by letter. And the first word was Wellington. And they all said it's going to be a message about Wellington. And the next word was the word defeated. And the hearts of the people of Great Britain sank. They said, Wellington has been defeated. And at that very moment, a thick fog enshrouded the harbor so that they could no longer send a message or see a message. And everyone had given up hope. Wellington has been defeated. The British crown was at stake. And their hearts were dark and gloomy. But when the fog gradually began to lift, and when it did, they started sending the signals again, and it said, Wellington defeated the enemy at Waterloo. And all of Britain shouted for joy. You see, it was not a message which said Wellington was defeated. It was a message that said Wellington defeated the enemy. But they went off of what they saw. They went off of what information they had, and they made an assumption it was wrong. And all of us live based upon our assumptions. And Jacob, he was under the impression that Joseph, his son, was dead. And there was even evidence that was given to cause him to think that his assumption was wrong. But he made an assumption. He lived in light of that. And many times we live in light of an assumption we've made. But it doesn't match up with who God is. It doesn't match up with what God says. But any time that happens, and it leads to being disappointed, it causes doubts. Remember Thomas saw Jesus die on the cross. Jesus said, and he, and he knew Jesus said, it is finished. He bowed his head and gave up the ghosts and the demons of hell, cried out in glee. Everyone said Jesus is defeated. For three days, three nights, there was darkness that enshrouded the world. And there was darkness that clouded the hearts of the disciples. Jesus had died. Jesus was crucified. But on the third day, I can see the Lord Jesus Christ as he calmly arises. I see his eyes as they open in that tomb. I see him take the napkin and he carefully folded that napkin and he lay it where his head was. And then with all the power of the spirit of the living God that was with him, Jesus Christ came out of that grave dragging hell and death behind his victorious chariot. It wasn't Jesus who was defeated. It was Jesus who defeated the enemy on Calvary and now he lives forevermore. Thomas just had not seen, as Paul Harvey would say, the rest of the story. He hadn't seen the resurrection story. It had not quite been written yet. But he was told about it. But when there is disappointment, we tend to forget what is real and true. And he entertained doubts. Thomas 
was doubting. He was a disappointed Christian. And it led to some doubting. You may not understand everything in your life tonight. Still, I'll tell you that Jesus can turn every cross into a resurrection. He can turn every one of your tears into a pearl. He can turn every heartache of yours into a hallelujah. And you may have problems and difficulties you don't understand, but if you'll trust the Lord Jesus Christ, he will confirm to you, not in theory, not in some distant uh, 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 story, but he will confirm in reality he's alive and he wants to be active in your life. Now, what was the result of Thomas in John chapter 20 being absent when Jesus showed up? What did it cause? Well, the Bible tells us here, first of all, I believe, and there's, there's intimation here, but I believe um, if, if, we, if we put ourselves here and think, we can see this. And that is, first of all, Thomas, he, excuse me, Thomas lost his testimony. Thomas was not with them when Jesus showed up. He wasn't the only one who wasn't there. We mentioned that Judas is missing. So the only other person who's missing other than Thomas is Judas. And Judas is missing because he betrayed the Lord. And he was so heavy in regret, committed suicide. And so there's no doubt that these disciples, some of them may be questioning, is Thomas like Judas? Do you know that when you're not with your church family in the house of God and the people of God, you're casting a vote for the devil? You're casting a vote against Jesus? Did you know that your testimony can be hurt? During the days of the Civil War, the Union troops were moving down through the South and some of the Union troops were approaching a certain uh, homestead. And there was an old grandmother there who had uh, some little children that had been left behind by the soldiers. And, and they were, she was trying to take care of things until those boys, their fathers, would come back home. And as they looked out the window, they saw these Union troops coming down the road and their hearts were filled with fear. They ran out into the barn. The children climbed up into the hayloft and hid in the hay. But the grandmother didn't. When they looked out, they saw her. She was standing out in the middle of the road where those soldiers were coming. She had a pitchfork in hand. And there, here uh, were, were those soldiers coming and these children were hiding and they cried out, Oh, Granny, come, come back into the barn and hide. Don't you know you can't whip those soldiers? She said, I may not whip them, but when they leave here, they're going to know whose side I'm on. <laughs> Did you know that every time you pick up the book of God on the day of God, go to the house of God and praise God in the spirit of God, you're telling the world, your family and friends whose side you're on? We're either on the side of Jesus or we're on the side of Judas. Thomas had heard his testimony because he wasn't there when Jesus showed up. I'm thankful for God's minority. I'm thankful for those we may be few, the disciples were few, but I'm thankful for people that love Jesus.
Not only did his testimony suffer, but Thomas's faith also suffered. If ever there was a man who needed to be in church that night, it was Thomas. Thomas's heart was broken. He had needs. He had difficulties. Maybe you're like him. Maybe you're saying, if this resurrected Lord is so great, if this relationship with Jesus is so great, then why do I have all this mess going on in my life? Well, you know, in the very time when you, you want to stay away from church, it might be the time when you need it the most. Thomas needed to be there perhaps more than any other disciple needed to be there. He was so downhearted. He was so disappointed. He needed encouragement. The encouragement that would come from the risen Christ. His faith suffered because when God's people come together, Jesus Christ is there in a very unusual way. Someone says, well, I can worship Jesus on the lake. You can't. I can worship him out in the woods. You can't. But he's not going to show up in a way like he's promised to show up in the meeting of his people. God shows up in a very unusual way. Matthew 18 and verse 20, where two or three or two or more are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst. He's talking about his church. Forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. You see, Thomas, he had a faith that needed to be bolstered, yet at the very time when it could have been bolstered, he wasn't there. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. He needed to hear the Word of God that night. And friend, you know the kind of religion that won't get you to church probably won't get you to heaven either. I thought that was a good one. Let me, let me highlight that one right there. I like that part. I'll repeat it again, don't worry. I just want to make a note there. That's pretty good. A religion that won't get you to church, it probably won't get you to heaven. The Bible doesn't say you have to go to church to go to heaven. The Bible doesn't say you have to go to church to be a Christian. But the Bible does say if you're a Christian and you love Jesus, you're going to be obedient to him and you're not going to forsake the assembly of yourselves together. You see, God knows that we need one another. You've heard it said, and the reason why you hear it said is because it's true. Everyone needs a personal relationship with Jesus. I can't have a relationship for Jesus or with Jesus for you. You need a personal relationship with Jesus, and then everyone needs a church family. And then everyone needs a pastor. That's the Bible way. There in Israel. Did we tell you we were just there in Israel? Now, one of the things, we didn't, I don't even know if I got a picture of it. I think Christy got a picture in passing, but this was just en route coming from Tel Aviv and getting down to the Dead Sea. And we moved from the metropolis and the city and all of that. And then we're moving out into the Dead Sea area. And we're going where things start going from green to brown. And, and we start moving out and we see sheep. And we started seeing sheep all over the place. But they were in usually small groups, like 25 and sometimes smaller, sometimes a little bit more. But everywhere you saw a, a herd or whatever, a, a grouping of sheep, there's always a shepherd. 
Never did they ever have sheep just grazing in a field like we would have cattle just, just in the field with, without anybody. There was always a shepherd. And sometimes we would see up to 10 shepherds out in a field and they're, each, they're all out there with their own group of sheep. And, and I asked our guide about this and he said, well, what do you expect them to do? I said, well, why are, do they just not leave the sheep out there? I, I, I mean, we have cows and things and people just leave them out there. He said, well, we can't do that with the sheep. And he said, they're always going to be out there with them. I said, but why? He said, because one will get stolen. One will be led astray. One will be taken. One will be killed. I said, they're, they're with their sheep? He said, they're with their sheep. He said, what, have you not seen this before? I said, No. We don't just go to church to see what you can get out of it. You go to church sometimes to see what you can put into it, what you can give. That's why we have certain activities. I don't like this activity. I don't always like them either. But one of the things that we try to do is give extracurricular activities where the church family can be together. We pray together. It's sometimes good to play together. And it's good to be able to do this so that we can minister to each other in a different kind of a way. You can encourage someone else and, and your faith will be strengthened as you're encouraging someone else and their faith will be strengthened. Thomas, he lost, lost some faith. Another thing that Thomas lost, not only his testimony and his faith, but he lost some joy. In verse number 20 of John 19, it says, Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. When we're in the presence of the living, resurrected Lord, Jesus is in the midst of his people. There's a joy that comes that you can't get it somewhere else. I tell you, you can't get it at home, alone. You can't get it merely watching television or listening to the radio. You see, when Jesus appeared, he appeared in the midst of the disciples. He didn't appear on the lake and he didn't appear in the home. He didn't appear somewhere else. He appeared in the assembling of his disciples. And the Bible says they were glad. They had a holy hallelujah fit. They were excited when Jesus came. I want to say sometimes to the Lord, and, and I do, and I pray, Lord, anytime you want to interrupt our service order, you go right ahead with your presence anytime. Anytime you want to move and just take control and change, you're welcome to do so. What happens in the life of a church when the Lord's presence is manifested is that there's joy. And when the joy of the Lord is there, you, you can't keep people away. People will, will break down doors to, to get to a place where they can find true joy. Not happiness. Happiness is contingent upon circumstances. But we're talking about joy. Joy that Jesus said that the world can't give. The world can't take away. Nehemiah says the joy of the Lord is our strength. 
We need to let joy, a zeal for God, take over. We need to get our eyes on the resurrected Lord and allow Jesus to move in our midst. And there's something about the joy of the Lord. It's magnetic. It's appealing to a lost world. Where, there's, uh, where the Lord is, there's liberty. And where there's the Lord and liberty, there's life. We haven't come to bury the dead. And we, we've come not to mourn a corpse. We've come to celebrate the living Lord who moves with power, he's alive. He's in our midst. Thomas lost his joy because he wasn't there when Jesus showed up. Dr. W.A. Criswell was the great pastor of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas. And, and he was greeting people one day and a lady came up and she was a, a guest of a family that was, attended the church and this guest lady came up and she said, Dr. Criswell, I feel so sorry for you, Baptist. And he said, well, why is that? She said, because you're so bad. Y'all are so bad off that you have to come to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, three times a week. And she said, over at our place, we only have to go one time just Sunday morning because we're not really as bad off as you are. Dr. Criswell, with the twinkle in his eye, he said, Dear lady, if I had to listen to what you have to listen to, once a week would be enough for me as well. <laughs> I want to tell you, when Jesus shows up, three times is, is not just some box we check off. And we don't, we, we understand, not everybody can make it, and people, uh, there are shut-ins, there's providential hindrance, we understand that. But we're talking about the heart. Thomas could have been there, but he wasn't. I want to tell you one other thing that, that it cost. It cost Thomas the lost world. When Jesus gave the disciples here in John 20, met with them, he gave them a commission. He breathed on them and said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost, as my Father sent me, even so send I you. And he commissioned them. He gave them the soul winner's commission. And incidentally, every time Jesus ever appeared to his disciples after the resurrection, he's giving them the soul winner's commission. And Thomas missed out on the soul winner's commission. There's a lost and dying world. They don't know what they need. But God does. And when we miss where Jesus shows up, we're missing what they need. Let me say here at the end, what's the remedy for missing? What's the remedy for being a, a, a disciple that's gone AWOL? What's the remedy for helping us who doubt? Well, there's two things. One, there's the encouragement of friends. Notice in verse 25, the Bible says, The other disciples therefore said unto him, that's Thomas, We have seen the Lord. We have seen the Lord. You see, one of them was missing... And so the disciples, you know, they had a visitation program. And they sent out the people and they said, Thomas, you don't know what you missed yesterday. You don't know what went on, but 
we saw the Lord. They were trying to encourage him. They didn't say, Thomas, you should have been in the Easter service. Why, Mary Magdalene? She wore the craziest hat you have ever seen. You you would have liked to have seen that. That's not what they said. They didn't say, Thomas, oh, pastor, he preached so long, we thought he would never finish. That's not what they said. They said, Thomas, Jesus was here. Thomas, Jesus is alive. Thomas, he's not dead. He's alive. He's alive. Thomas, he can help you. He helped us. Thomas, we know you have some problems. We know you have some challenges. But Jesus is alive. Friend, there are a lot of arguments for Christianity. In fact, if I had time, there's more proof tonight that I could present to you that Jesus is alive than that Shakespeare ever lived upon this earth. I could stand up here and give you the proof, but did you know that the glowing testimony of one real, excited child of the living God for Jesus is more convincing to a lost world than a library full of arguments? When we go out of here to share Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit with the excitement of the living Lord in our life, people know that Jesus is alive. And there is the encouragement of friends. Somebody here tonight may need to reach out to somebody and encourage them. If you're here tonight, you've doubted that Jesus can help you. I want to encourage you. Jesus is alive. That changes everything. But not just the encouragement of friends. But verse number 26. And after eight days again his disciples were within. And Thomas said, I'm not missing this service. And he's with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. And then he focuses in on Thomas. It says, Thomas, reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, reach hither thy hand, thrust it into my side, be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed, blessed are they that have not seen, and yet have believed. I want to tell you what can encourage you when you've become missing, when you become slipping in your heart. And by the way, you can sit in a service and go AWOL. You can sit here and never miss a and still uh, leave your first love. But how can we get back to being a disciple on fire versus a disciple that's doubting? Well, one is by the encouragement of friends. Listen to those who challenge. Listen to those who are helping. But also the encouragement, number two, of facts. Of facts. Not only was there the encouragement of his friends, but there was the encouragement of the facts. Jesus responded to Thomas. Remember what Thomas said? I'm not going to believe. And it's an emphatic, he was stating. I'm not going to believe unless I can put my fingers into those nail prints. Now what's happening? Now Thomas says when Jesus shows up and gives him the facts, he says, my Lord and my God. You see, Thomas was convinced not only because of his friends who said Jesus is alive, but because the facts were presented to him. That's why you need to stay in the word of God. This is the authority. Heaven and earth will pass away, but God's word will never pass away. 
Jesus said to Thomas, though, listen, Thomas, you've seen me, and because you've seen me, you believe. And then Jesus said to be more congratulated to be more blessed, to be more highly favored are those who will never see me, yet they believe. Jesus said that those of us in this room here tonight, because of those of us who will choose to believe the facts of God's word, and God says we're more congratulated, we're more honored and more blessed than Thomas who actually saw with his own eyes. You see, friend, Jesus said in verse number 31, these things are written that you might believe in the name of the Son of God. What things? Well, the Bible, the Word of God that tells us about the change in these disciples. My friend, the whole world was turned upside down because these men were changed from the inside out. They'd been hiding behind locked doors and now they, they, they run up and down the streets throughout the Roman world telling people, Jesus is alive. What changed them? When I ask you something, do you think that these men if they knew Jesus would de was truly dead, would have stained the mouths of lions with their blood? Do you think that these disciples, if they knew Jesus was dead, would have become human torches for Nero's garden? No, they knew Jesus was alive. They'd seen him. And that's the reason they said, he's alive, Thomas. It doesn't matter if we die. He's alive. It doesn't matter if we don't understand the full answer or if we don't even understand the problem. He's alive. Thomas, it doesn't matter what we face. Jesus is alive. And they went out to dramatically change the known world. Acts says they turn the known world upside down. Why? And through the power of the resurrected Lord. You see, the greatest proof of the resurrection of Jesus is the changed lives of the people who follow him. That's why we're about discipleship. It's not a class. It's not a book. It's about getting into an intimate relationship with the one who loves you who has promised to never leave you nor forsake you. So Thomas, he falls at the feet of Jesus and he says, my Lord and my God. Listen, friends, the resurrected Jesus is here tonight. He's here to meet your need tonight. He's here to forgive your sin tonight. He's here to change your life tonight. Oh, you may know about him. That's why you're here. I praise God for everyone who's here. But it's not enough to believe the intellectual facts. You're going to have to come to his resurrected feet. And you're going to have to make the personal decision to say, my Lord, my God. You have to allow him who might be your savior to also be your sovereign. Jesus said to his disciples, peace I give unto you. That's what every heart is in need of tonight. We need the peace that only Jesus can give. 
There are all kinds of needs represented here tonight. All kinds of difficulties here tonight. But that peace, the peace that Jesus gives, it only comes when we allow Jesus to be my Lord and my God. I want us to go to the Lord in prayer and I'm going to ask every one of us bow our head and close our eyes for just a moment. Every head's bowed and every eye closed. And as we get ready to pray and we'll give an invitation, an invitation is basically and simply, now what are you going to do with what Jesus is offering to you? And I'm going to pray that God's spirit would be very real to you. But the cure for the absent disciple is for that disciple to come and kneel at the feet of Jesus. Listen and look at the facts. He's God and he's still alive. Lord Jesus, I do pray that you would meet with us. Thank you for the 40-some guests this morning. And thank you for the many that responded to the gospel. But Lord, here we are tonight. We still need you. Problems still exist. And if they don't tonight, they will tomorrow. 2,000 years ago, you came out of that grave. You demonstrated that you're God. Forever God. King of kings. Lord of lords. And one of the messages you're giving to us is that nothing is too hard for you. There's not a stronghold in anyone's life but what you can fix. There's not a difficult marriage anywhere but what you can solve. There's not a sin that exists but what you died to forgive. There's not a loneliness in anyone's heart but what you can meet. Lord, thank you for loving us with a love that will never let us go. I pray that you would do something tonight, making yourself real, helping us to see this is not a check the box, go through the religious ritual routine of this kind of a service, but this is an encounter with you. Lord, would you help us, I pray. We need Holy Spirit help just to understand and help us to see the simplicity of faith just to take by faith. We want to take what you say. We want to take that peace by faith. Just trusting you for it.